New game day shirt? Boom. Cash back. Food for the tailgate? Boom. Cash back. Even buying a round can earn you cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, I said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who is taking the win, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees, period? I'm telling you, this one, it's a real game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. on Total Soccer Show, the weekly show where we sink our teeth into the meatiest topics in the beautiful game. Today, we're talking about North America's very own 2026 World Cup, which is going to be even bigger than we expected. The World Cup was already set to expand to 48 teams in 2026, and now FIFA's updated the tournament's format, a change that will make it longer and add games to the schedule. At its annual Congress in Rwanda earlier this week, the FIFA Council formally approved a move from the 64-game format of the World Cup, which has been used since 1998, to a 104-game format that's going to span over 39 days, making it the longest tournament in FIFA's history. Uh, The Group of Three proposal we heard before has been scrapped. It's now 12 groups of four, the top two teams in each group advancing, plus the top eight third-place teams will also advance, creating a new 32-team knockout bracket. My name's Ryan Bailey. Joining me to discuss this is a man whose format doesn't need expanding at all. He's perfect the way he is. Taylor Rockwell, hello. Hello. I I like that means, I hope that means that I'll be staying at the weight I'm at or losing it. And that would be fine with me because, yeah, I don't need to expand this format any more than I already have. (laughs) I mean, you've got another few years to expand your format a little more before we get to 2026. (laughs) But let's hope uh, you maintain, Taylor. Joining us, a man who's set to experience uh, his first domestic World Cup tournament in his lifetime. I'm not bitter that the US has hosted two and England's hosted zero in my lifetime. Joe Lowry, it's all good. How are you? Get wrecked, Ryan. Between that, not beating us at the 2022 World Cup, Woo. not beating us at the 2020, uh, the 2010 World Cup. Excuse me. Woo again. Like, what do you, what do you have? You know, like it's all gone. It's all gone. We've taken it. Boom. Independence. Yep. This, it's ours. Um, by 26, I'm hoping I get my U.S. citizenship. That's how we'll uh, we'll play this. There we go. That's what I'm aiming for. Welcome well. aboard. I'm expanding my format to have an extra passport. There we go. Um, <laughs> so Taylor, I don't like that at all. I believe, I believe that's called doing a Harry is what I think oh. that's called. When, when, you, when you leave England uh, to go for U.S. residency and citizenship. Well, I hope my move is regarded a little better than that, but we will see. I guess. <laughs> How's your book coming, Ryan? Is the book coming well? Or what? Oh, spare, spare volume two. Yeah, it's going <laughs> great. Thank you for asking, Joe. Um, let's move to the World Cup, uh, the 2026 World Cup. Taylor is going to have an extra four. 40 games, 64 to 104, as I noted at the top of the show there. That means, uh, if there's no injury time at all, a minimum of 9,360 minutes of soccer. Uh, I done a Google, that's six and a half days of soccer straight. Uh, plus injury time. Yeah, Taylor's Taylor's rolling his eyes into the back of his head right now. Uh, so T- Taylor Taylor genuinely became a little more tired than I already was just thinking about those numbers. That is truly what <laughs> happened. It made me actually tired to think about how much soccer there will be. What was me? Uh, again, I'm sure coal miners and I don't know garbage collectors are, are are listening along to this, feeling a lot of sympathy for me, complaining about having to watch a lot of soccer. But it is a lot. It is a big expansion, and to go with the groups of four format, I did not think that's what they would do. I thought it would be the 16 groups of three, controversial as that would have been, but it would have allowed them to have fewer games to keep it in the same uh, time frame, and that is not what they did. Instead, biggest tournament ever, which I have to believe is part, at least part of why Gianni Infantino pushed for this is so he could then say we have the biggest world cup ever which will make the most money ever i do all the things the biggest i am gianni infantino love me please and the answer as always is now thanks yeah i don't know joe like a rolex is a special watch because there's not many of them if you make many more of them they become less special do you know what i mean yeah no i mean that's that's true and i i just still can't believe that this is actually happening like it, it feels 
more and more absurd. The first proposal was absurd, right? And you kind of walked us through it, right? So you would have had, you know, a, still a number of games more than you would have before. So it would have gone from 64 to 80. That's a big jump. And the 16 group thing was interesting with three teams in each group had lots of potential for corruption. Hilarious that FIFA let us get this far down the road with that being their initial proposal without changing it and basically took uh, Qatar and that World Cup and how great things were on the final match day as we we're all flying home from New York. And I'm trying to watch games on the plane next to a guy who I think is a, some sort of so- soccer college coach. And we're both trying to watch Argentina play Poland, I think. And, and we're like kind of talking back and forth about it. It was a great experience, right? Those were phenomenal games. And it took FIFA to see those things happen, to remember how good that stuff was, and to remember the disgrace of, of Gijon and say, oh, maybe we, maybe we shouldn't do that. Maybe that shouldn't be the thing that we decide to do. So instead, let's add a bunch more games even over what we said, 40 more over the last World Cup. It's absurd. It's a money grab, hands down, plain and simple. Not that it won't help other nations as well. And, and there are mm-hmm. silver linings here. There are stuff. There are things that are good about this. But it is, it is a blatantly obvious grab for money, for attention, for power, for FIFA, and uh, if folks haven't already been able to tell, I don't know that any of us are huge fans of this proposal. Yeah. So with that in mind, though, I think we probably should spend a little t- bit of time like focusing on some of the positives or theoretical positives. Because I am – I think broadly I am just down on FIFA, and that is a big part of this. I'll acknowledge that bias, and I think that will be important for a conversation I would like to have later on. But for now – I get the idea of expanding the World Cup. I really do. There are more uh, countries than ever, more member states in FIFA than ever. Uh, uh, Gabriel Marcotti uh, wrote an interesting piece, I would say, for ESPN about why we shouldn't be so up in arms about this change. A, Mar- a Margaret Rockwell version of interesting is, is what Taylor's trying to get out there. <laughs> what? No. Yeah, totally. Uh, <laughs> he made the point. Uh, FIFA has 211 member associations. Allowing 48 of them into the World Cup means 22.7 get to participate. For most of the competition's history, that's been roughly the ratio of participating countries. When it went from 16 to 24 nations in 1986, it was 19.7%. And when it went from 24 to 32 in 98, it was 18.3%. I would say 22.7 still higher than both of those numbers. Uh, but it, it is representative of more countries uh, playing soccer, more member states, but then also more member states that maybe don't get the, the showcase or get sort of knocked out of qualifying and, and aren't then allowed to participate or don't get the financial benefits of going further in qualifying or going to a World Cup outright. And so more, more countries making more money, more federations making money that they can then theoretically distribute to, to bring the game up in areas where it hasn't been as developed or doesn't have as much backing behind it. I think all of that is positive. And I think getting more countries playing in the World Cup, you get different looks at different teams you'll get more teams that are sort of uh, playing defensive, I think, but you'll also have teams being a bit more aggressive because now that you get a bunch of third-place teams going through, it's less of a, oh, you lose your first game and you draw your second. You're pretty much out at this point. I think you can still go through with three points or four points in this format, and so I think we will get more open games to some extent, and I think we'll get more teams going through. I think we will also get what we got in the Euros when they expanded, and some teams are very content to defend and defend and defend and draw every single game and go through with three draws and a plus zero goal difference. But but I still think it creates a little bit of chaos. It creates a little more uncertainty, and I don't love the sort of imbalance of the format. I don't love third-place teams going through, but I still think there are interesting wrinkles in there that are worth being at least somewhat positive about. That that last match day of the group stage, Taylor, you've just made me think about the the, uh, the third-place teams going through. We're going to be frantically trying to work out yep. who's going through at any given yep. point. That's going to be hassle when well, 48 teams are playing. <laughs> also, can I add on to that? I know, I, mean, I know we're talking about some positives here, Taylor. You did a good job of running through some of those things. I mentioned how Qatar in this past World Cup and how crazy the last match day was. You know, it seems to be cited by multiple people as that being a reason why FIFA rethought this whole thing. It shouldn't have taken that long, but it did. And, and eventually they, they got away from the three team groups, which is good. I think that is generally a positive. They just backed themselves in a corner with how there aren't very many other ways to do this without adding a ton more games to the schedule. All of that said, like the last match day of the group stage is not going to mean that much in a lot of situations because mm-hmm. it's easier to get out, right? I mean, you're playing. You're playing 72 games in the group stage to eliminate 16 teams. You're playing 72 games in the group stage to eliminate one-third of the teams. That, to me, is, 
is a little bit of a farce. Like to, to do that much soccer, to only cut out, you know, one team guaranteed from each group, and then another one is like one and a third teams basically from each group on average. That it's it's absurd. And so the last match day just isn't going to be as entertaining. At least that's that's my expectation here. I would not expect to see the same riveting stuff. The permutations will still be complicated because they're always complicated. But I, I don't know. It, it's another mark against this for me because I, I don't think the biggest thing that the group stage had going for it before is even going to be as relevant here. No, and I think that's where the original uh, three-team groups made sense to some extent to me. I, I hear all the uh, objections about dead rubber games and potential for sort of collusion. But I think the the end goal of expanding to 48 teams, in my mind, has always been that round of 32 that will now be introduced. And you would have had that with the 16 groups of three. You'll have that now with the eight best third place teams going through is you get the expanded knockout round. And I think that's what it's always been about because the knockout round games are the dramatic ones where you get extra time and you get penalties. And that's where people are really going for it or really trying to hang on. And I think it's always been about getting more knockout round games, however you can do that. My assumption is that they wanted to do that with fewer group stage games because the group stage isn't always the most entertaining phase of this. And so the three team groups would have allowed that to happen. Then you get your round of 32, which again, I think was the goal. So when there is the objection to the groups of three and and the potential complications or problems there, I think it's a, a trade that executives or Johnny Infantino are willing to make because you still get that round of 32. And in my mind, that's what it's all been about. Um, another potential positive, by the way, I believe we're getting more host cities due to the extra 40 games. So there will be more opportunities for American soccer fans. To Is go that see. what's happening? Because uh, I, so. I also saw that they just had to ask the host cities if there was a way that they could just host more games. And so they have to go back and make sure the schedule is still open for some of those facilities for games to be played. Hotels to accommodate the, yeah. the like uh, increased length of duration of stay. It's not like it's been like a super well-planned out thing. We are still a few years away from this happening, but maybe they'll add more host cities. Maybe they'll just hope that like the Chiefs can hold off preseason training or whatever it may be. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, if FIFA wants to get me on board with this, which of course is their first priority. I mean, I know that's what Gianni's not not sleeping Mm -hmm. over. If they want to get me on board, just uh, just toss Phoenix into the mix. And all of a sudden, I think this is the best idea ever. Let's make it happen, people. We got we we handled the Super Bowl and the Waste Management Phoenix Open at the same time. Come on, we can do this. It would be kind of hilarious for all of the consternation and objection to the World Cup being played in the desert in Qatar. Like, shh, shh don't, worry, don't worry about Phoenix. It's fine. It's fine. Don't, it's not that big of a desert. We have some green stuff. It's, it's not okay. even that. It's a dry heat. It's a dry heat, <laughs> yeah. Taylor. It's, it's going to be fine. Yes. yes. Uh, As if, opposed if, to the rampant humidity in Qatar. Right, correct. If, if you do notice a, a change in Joe's tone, <laughs> listener, for this episode, bear in mind he was at the uh, extraordinary meeting in Rwanda where Gianni Infantino was re-elected as FIFA president. Joe was up for that as well, so he's a bit... Mm-hmm. A bit annoying. Next time, Joe. Next time, yeah, right? Next time. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. I think um, that so there is a positive Taylor in how more whether there's more host cities or not. More US mm. soccer fans are going to be able to see a live World Cup game. So that's a positive in itself. But with that is massive fixture congestion, which is mm. going to happen. There's already too many soccer games. I think we're probably agreeing about that. We had a, a World Cup last time around in Qatar where there was. What was it like nine days before the end of the season and the start of the World Cup? I think we're going to have a truncated period at the start of this cup, World Cup as well. And then group stage games, group, group stage days, excuse me, are going to have, is it six games a day? Yeah, I think that's what they they will likely have to do. I don't know if those will be consecutive kickoffs or some of those will be concurrent. But I think to to jam everything in in roughly the same time period because they were still reporting that no it'll be the exact same footprint the exact same timeline which is not possible with this number of games so i think it will have to expand i think prep time will be cut down and then yeah you're gonna have even more games played uh which could be cool if it went from like morning to night and you had a world cup game on the entire time but i think more likely is that we're gonna get uh the like the better build teams playing on the big channel and then the other two playing somewhere else, which is a bummer. I like the idea of getting to see smaller nations play, not just because I'm a soccer nerd, but because so often we get one or two of those teams that come in and have a game plan, have a style of play, execute it really well and become a fan favorite. Morocco would be an example of that, I think, in the last World Cup, uh, where I think if you're neutral, you maybe knew a few of those names, but you certainly didn't know all of them. And that they make the run they do, I think they... 
they have a lot of people backing them and getting into them. And I think if they're playing on a secondary channel, because if you have to choose, you're always going to show Germany or Spain or Italy or whomever it may be. If Italy somehow managed to qualify for the expanded one, we'll see if that happens. Good luck. Uh, I think you're, you're just missing out on some of the potential narrative. You're missing out on the... I don't know, just inclusiveness, I guess, is the best way to put it, that you get to learn about all these players and all these teams. And, and I think missing some of that takes away some of the luster from the World Cup for me. Well, well I, for one, are looking forward to uh, Equatorial Guinea versus Estonia when Fox uh, shows a baseball game for the second half instead. <laughs> it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Um, let's take a quick break. When we come back, let's talk a little bit more about the expanded format, where it's likely to head, and also what qualification is going to look like. That's going to be expanded as well. Back shortly. New game day shirt? Boom. Cash back. Food for the tailgate? Boom. Cash back. Even buying a round can earn you cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, I said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who is taking the win, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees, period? I'm telling you, this one a real game changer check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit discover bank member fdic did you know that even if you have a 401k for retirement you can still have an ira Robinhood has the only ira that gives you a three percent boost on every dollar you contribute when you subscribe to Robinhood gold but get this now through april 30th Robinhood is even boosting every single dollar you transfer in from another retirement account with a three percent match that's right no cap on the three percent match Robinhood gold gets you the most for your retirement thanks to their ira with a three percent match this offer is good through april 30th get started at robinhood.com slash boost subscription fees apply And now for some legal info. Claim as of Q1 2024 validated by Radius Global Market Research. Investing involves risk including loss. Limitations apply to IRAs and 401ks. 3% match requires Robinhood Gold for one year from the date of first 3% match. Must keep Robinhood IRA for five years. The 3% matching on transfers is subject to special terms and conditions. Robinhood IRA available to U.S. customers in good standing. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC is a registered broker. Dealer. Total Soccer Show, welcome back to our big thing. We're talking 2026 World Cup with smiles on our faces. Uh, Taylor, why don't we talk about the qualification process? Uh, another benefit here potentially is that uh, confederations are getting more births, particularly like um, CAF, which is uh, underserved by the current system. Yeah, to your previous example, it feels like a much more realistic possibility that Equatorial Guinea could qualify for a World Cup and then less likely that Estonia will because Europe is getting more spots. But Europe is, I think, probably the best confederation across the board. I mean, I think the only one would be that like South America tends to have, what, six go and all of them are pretty good, but it's only 10 teams in the confederation. I I think Europe has the most talent across the board. And so they already have the the greatest number of teams. They're getting an increase, but not that big of a sizable increase. And so in that way, you'll still get more teams from Europe and you'll still have the quality there. But you are expanding to other confederations where you get teams that wouldn't otherwise qualify. And I think that is a positive that we just get more teams from Africa, as you said, where qualification has been brutal and it's really ruthless. Even if you win your group, you still got to win this one playoff that can be against anybody and it can go south. Just ask Bob Bradley uh, that now I think it'll be more streamlined. You'll get more teams there. And I think it does theoretically open the door to more teams making it into the knockout round to more teams making deeper runs, uh, theoretically being the operative term there. But I think in that way, that's where I really don't have a problem with the expanded World Cup. Yes, it will take away from some of the drama of qualification for certain confederations and certain teams in those confederations. I've never said that word more times than I have in this answer. Uh, but, but I think to get more teams involved, I do think is ultimately a positive. I will feel less positive when inevitably they expand to 64 teams in probably 2030 or 2034. Oh, don't say that, please. Uh, <laughs> Joe, have you, got, have you got the numbers on the qualification uh, in terms of each confederation? I do. So do you want the number of slots or do you want the number of like, do you want the, the idiosyncrasies of the qualification format? Itself? Surprise me. OK, I'll do uh, I'll do both. <laughs> so CONCACAF, we'll start. I'm going to try to rattle through this quickly in a way that makes sense to people. Not all of the confederations have announced their format yet. So there's two. 
CAF and Oceania that have not done that so far. So Africa will get nine and a third spots. Is there a spots. chance that Oceania don't even know that they've expanded? They're like, oh, oh we get one? We get what? one? Oh, cool. Let's go. Right, we're going to get on that. We're going to get we're on that right We didn't know. We didn't we're know. getting a three quarter rather than a half. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> so Oceania will get one and a third. CAF will get nine and a third. We don't know what's happening there. But I'll start with CONCACAF and work our way down. So USA, Mexico, and Canada will auto-qualify. So that's three spots uh, that are they're out. But the rest of CONCACAF still gets to fight over three additional spots and two slots in the inter- intercontinental playoff group of teams. So basically three auto-slots and a couple others that you can maybe still get there. There's three rounds for the rest of teams that aren't USA, Mexico, or Canada. The first round is like the, the playing games from March Madness, which is right where we're in right now. Here in, uh, in the U.S. The first round is the four lowest ranked CONCACAF teams by FIFA doing a playoff against each other. The two teams that make it get added to the 28 other teams in CONCACAF to make 30. They just needed a round number. So that's how you get to 30. Then you go through and those 30 teams are divided into six groups of five. Each team plays each other once in the group. The top two teams from each of those groups advance to a 12-team final round. Those 12 teams are divided into three groups of four. Each team plays their group stage opponents twice. This all makes sense. The three winners go to the World Cup, while the top two second-place teams go to the Intercontinental Playoff. So that's CONCACAF. It's, it's not that complicated. Like, it's pretty straightforward. UEFA, 16 teams. That's the most of any, uh, any confederation. Teams being drawn into 12 groups of four or five, depending on the number. And the 12 winners will go straight to the World Cup. From what I've read, the details on this are a little bit hazy. And the second place teams likely have some sort of playoff against each other. That's pretty much how things have been done in the past for UEFA. Conmebol, only two more here. Conmebol, six and a third slots for them. Nothing has changed. Everybody plays everybody in the 10-team table. And Ecuador starts with minus three because they did a illegal by falsifying birth documents for Byron Castillo in the last World Cup cycle. So they're minus this three. This is all straightforward. All this totally is, straightforward. Did, did, that did, one, did you say six and a third slots? Six and a third. Mm-hmm. You get six slots and then some sort of intercontinental playoff. I don't know. I honestly don't remember why it's, it's a third. You have to like play somebody to then get I, What is it, Taylor? Oh. Do you know what that is? It's, I, th- I think it's that you go into like a mini tournament. And so you get maybe, I think from different confederations, you will get a total of four teams that then have like a round robin tournament to see which two teams get to go. And so yeah. somehow that equals out to a third. But yeah, there's, there's a lot more uh, play in qualifying games uh, so that again, you can extend qualification and make it so that the World Cup effectively becomes like a three year thing, yeah. which is, yeah. I think, ultimately what the goal is. Really simple. Uh, yeah, don't, don't, don't overthink this, Ryan. You just trust FIFA. Let's all trust FIFA. Uh, Asia, so the AFC, they have four rounds of qualification for eight and a third slots. This one is maybe the most complicated, but I feel like we're doing okay, listener. Are you still tracking? Like, we, we doing good? Need a juice box, anything? Okay. We'll there, there is a 100% chance that Gianni and Fantino does not know the details to this. I'm just throwing that out there. Oh, yeah. I can absolutely see them running through this format and him being like, uh-huh, but there will be 48 teams and we make more money. That's cool. Can we just talk about that? That's the thing yeah. I want to talk about and not really so much all of this stuff. To yeah. be fair, I've never said that sentence before. To be fair to Gianni Infantino, he's oh. not the one that anyone wants like building these formats. And so it's not probably not really his job to know it, to be honest. But anyway, Asia, I mean, let's get this thing done. He's the four rounds, of FIFA. Four rounds for eight and a third slots. 22 teams start in the first round. So those are the teams ranked 26 to 47 in Asia. It's like the, the bottom of their group, kind of like the CONCACAF one, but with just more teams. So they'll be drawn to face against each other in a home and away format. And the 11 winners of those matchups will progress to the next round. So then you get 36 teams. It's a nice round even number teams ranked one to 25 plus the 11 winners from the first round. They get divided into nine groups of four. Each team plays each other home and away. The top two teams from each group. So that's 18 teams total will advance to the third round. So those 18 teams get divided into three groups of six teams each competing in a round robin home and away format. Taylor has completely lost it. Ryan is following him close behind. (laughs) This took me a long time yesterday. So darn it. We're going to finish the top two teams from each group. That's six in total qualify directly for the FIFA World Cup. But wait, there's more. There's still two and a third more slots. The third and fourth place teams from those groups, that's six in total, 
will be drawn into two groups of three teams each competing in a single round-robin format. The two first-place teams will advance to the FIFA World Cup. The second-place teams from both groups will compete in a playoff match to determine the side that will represent the AFC and Intercontinental Playoff. I don't want to do this anymore. Can I be done, Ryan, please? Uh, yeah, listener, this is the bit where you can stop pressing the plus 30 button. So you can, you can join us again now. Thank you very much we should, for that. We should just put music underneath that whole thing so when uh, they stop hearing the music, they know they can come uh, back in. No, wow. Joe, I really appreciate you doing that. And it is very, very useful information because, I, as we've already kind of talked about, for so long we did not have clarity into how any uh, of this would work. And we still don't when it comes to two of the confederations, one of whom might not be aware that they get that one guaranteed spot. So uh, I appreciate the clarity and the thought that you put into this one. Thank you for explaining all Can of I? Can I add one not related to the numbers, please? This is a point that Taylor raised in our doc that I've been thinking about a lot. So I wanted mm. to give credit to you, Taylor, because uh, you know, you're the one who first brought it up in the context of this show, even if it wasn't on the show. I have but no it, idea what it, it is. It very much feels like all of this has been created to give FIFA more ah. control over soccer. Like, yeah. like that that's their job anyway, is to govern this sport. But they control directly the World Cup. And they control indirectly through their own confederations and those governing bodies. They control this process as well. Like, if there's any benefit to me having gone through and read out all this stuff on the show, it is to drive home the point of how much soccer there is, right? The World Cup qualification passed before were already complicated. There were already long. There were already a bunch of games. There are now more games. There's more of this stuff involved and more teams going. Everything is more, 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 more. That's exactly what FIFA wants. And this point will be further driven home when we talk about the Club World Cup stuff, which is genuinely absurd in a lot of ways. At least how they've gone about building it and not talking to certain people about it is, is a little absurd. There, there's just more soccer. Like, there's more soccer than ever before. And it makes me think about the, the Rafael Varane quote, right? Varane retired from French international duty and said, quote, the very highest level is like a washing machine. You play all the time and you never stop. I love that quote. I think it is the perfect encapsulation of what soccer is turning into. Like FIFA want more. They're demanding more from every single stakeholder involved in this. And they're going to profit from it, right? And and you know what? They Well, they're a nonprofit, right? Technically. So I guess I'm not yeah, really sure what, that, sure what that's all looking like. But I mean, they're going to generate money and revenue, which is what they want out of all this stuff. I can't really blame them for that. But at a certain point, it becomes irresponsible. And the amount of soccer that we're seeing now from World Cup qualification to the World Cup itself to all these other tournaments that are being brought up, it just shows that FIFA want more control. Like they want to be the ones running the show, not the Premier League. And you bet that they're concerned about these other leagues and the power that they're developing and what that could mean for competitions that they have in place right now. So again, if there was any point to me reading out all the details of Asian World Cup qualification, hopefully it drives home that point that there is more going on now than there literally has ever been in the soccer world. Joe, I mean, na- yeah. I'm, Go I was ahead, just going to say, Taylor, I'm, I'm slightly concerned about Rafael Varane's washing machine if it never stops. How is he, how is he <laughs> emptying it? Like, is it running constantly? I think I he's the, the one analogy. responsible for the energy shortages in Europe. Yeah. It seems like that's coming from Varane's I mean, flat. it's got to be a top loader, right? If it's a side loader, it has to stop. But if it's a top yeah. loader, he could just and just keep just dropping stuff in, pulling oh. stuff out. Maybe it's no, a little he's, bit wet in the spin cycle. He's reaching in and pulling. He is oh, quick he's like got that. He's got the side loader, but he just can't get the clothes out. Like, he, re- he doesn't. He maybe doesn't know how to open it. Like, he, it's just, <laughs> oh, I, I really like that shirt, but I, I guess it's just in the washing Gone. machine now. It's been, it's been yeah. washing for six years. Yeah. <laughs> how did it get in there if it never stops? Oh, there's some questions sorry taylor i interrupted you for a dumb joke go on yeah, that wasn't dumb that was a, a useful question and now i have some concerns about rafael Varane's uh washing and laundry habits no i just i think joe is yeah that that is sort of what i i think we're going to talk about the expanded club world cup and that is a big part of where that feeling comes from for me but it just seems like they're setting it up to be mini tournaments and qualification and then other little tournaments along the way that will end up making the international game stretch for those four years, the entire duration of the World Cup. I mean, Gianni Infantino initially wanted or talked about wanting it to be every two years. And should we toy around with that idea? And I think there's absolutely truth to the idea that FIFA want control of this game, that if you're FIFA president, you feel like I am the dominant person. I should be controlling all the aspects of soccer. And that is not the way it works when it comes to clubs and when it comes to the individual leagues. And that's where it just feels to me like so much of this is is done to theoretically expand the game and get more people involved, sure, uh, certainly to make a ton more money, but it also just feels like it's a game of chicken with who can expand more and have more games, and the players are sort of lost in that shuffle of, 
We're going to add a 39th game in La Liga. We're going to add a mini competition in MLS. We're going to add another game in the Premier League. And it just feels like everybody is expanding and expanding. And eventually there will be too much expansion, too much bloat, too much overlap. And and there's you know plenty of soccer to be played. Everybody likes watching soccer. But I do think there's a tipping point when it's just it is too much. You can't track everything. And when you have players playing 14 different competitions in a month, they're going to be tired. The quality suffers. The quality dips. People will retire. I just I don't think this is about the positives that they like to tout. To me, it's about control and making money. Yeah. And that's the case in every single sport. The NFL expanding their schedule and expanding where they play games. It's It just seems to me a thing of we can't afford to only have a season that lasts, what's the NFL, 16, 17 weeks plus the playoffs? Like, if it's only 30 weeks of a year... That's only half the year. You're missing out on so much money. So you you try to extend the league. You try to extend other competitions that can make up that difference. And I think FIFA are doing the exact same thing. And there's just in my mind, there's that idea of like, how much is too much? When is it enough? When is having this showpiece, showpiece spectacle event of the World Cup that the entire planet stops to watch? That's not enough. Now you got to make it bigger. You got to make it better. You got to add more competitions. It It's just... And it's definitely born of a distrust for FIFA that I think is a healthy distrust in my opinion. But it, it's just – that's the thing that I keep going back to is it just feels like we're going to keep expanding because they can. Yeah. Uh, to, to, to conclude it, it's the Jeff Goldblum line of they're so obsessed with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. Well, that, that's exactly it. And my uh, clunky Rolex analogy earlier was to the point that the, the World Cup is special now because it's every four years and because it's only a select amount of teams who make it. The, 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 the fewer years between World Cups and the more teams in them, the less of a spectacle it is. And I think that's a real concern for the sport, personally. And Taylor, you mentioned a 64-team tournament in the not-too-distant future. It's feasible, but what I think surely is the next move is a two- or three-year cycle. They're going to try and condense it down, as you say, make sure FIFA has more control, more money in their non-profit coffers by shortening that cycle. Because the four-year cycle is, you know, it's it's a bit analogous of history. In the 1930s, you couldn't get to... South America or Europe, respectively, every one or two years. It was four years for yeah. a reason. There's less travel uh, restraint in that respect now. So what there, I'm hearing you say of- is we should go back to steamship travel. Mm-hmm. That's how you mm-hmm. get to World Cups now. No more air travel. We need official steamships of the German national team and the like. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think. There's a possibility there. What I would say, this is where my uh, maybe more conspiracy-minded brain comes in. Whichever one you see them float first, 64 teams or the World Cup every two or three years, that's the one that they don't actually want. Uh, They want to float the one that will be the most unpopular to then be like, well, you all didn't like that. We're going to do this instead. I kind of feel like that's what they were doing with the 16 groups of three. It was like, oh, you don't like that? Well, okay, then we'll do this other thing that also won't, won't work very well and doesn't avoid any of the things that we said we would avoid uh, when we did expand, but you don't have the three-team groups, so you're welcome. I feel like it'll be the same thing of like, well, you don't have the World Cup every two years, but you do have 128 teams participating. You're welcome. Yeah, my parenting's a bit like that, I feel, at times. <laughs> you know, present the worst so they accept what you eventually deliver. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's fine. <laughs> Johnny and Fantino, you as a parent, pretty much the same thing is what I mean. Oh. Yeah, both, uh, yeah, both... Uh, tyrannical in our ways let's take a quick break when we come back let's talk about the next few world cups 2013 beyond and also we've hinted at it the club world cup which is also undergoing a major change back shortly and now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct tv satellite free you see this a family watching baseball on direct tv with no satellite dish in sight let's heckle them you call that changing the channel choke up on the remote buddy i hope getting all these games on direct tv makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds direct tv has the most mlb games call 1-800-DIRECT-TV Claim based on total games carried on sports networks sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package terms or restrictions apply Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.
Total Soccer Show, welcome back. So we've had some reports or, or some speculation. Maybe it's more than speculation. Uh, some news about the coming World Cups from 2013 and beyond and who's going to be uh, teaming up to bid for them. Morocco reportedly linking up with Spain and Portugal for the 2030 World Cup. There was a point where Ukraine were part of that bid. It appears they're no longer part of that bid. So geographically, Spain, Portugal, Morocco, I get that. Uh, another bid, Joe... Saudi Arabia, Egypt, and Greece. Now, I'm no geographical expert, but if you look at those three locations, they're not terribly close to one another. They don't know one another, and they do not share a border. Um, so I don't love that. I think if you're going to share a, a co-host a, a, a tournament, you should at least be geographically close. Next, close, or next to each other, ideally, I think is uh, another one. The other, the other bid that's reportedly floating around, and my favorite for it, is the South yeah. American joint bid, Uruguay, Argentina, Chile, and Paraguay. Uh, of course, this 2030 is the 100th anniversary of the first World Cup, 1930, which was in Uruguay. So something, the completest in me, Joe, feels like it should go to South America for the 100th. I think you're not alone in that, Ryan. I find myself in that camp as well. I think that would be a very, very cool moment, and it seems like kind of cheap, good PR for FIFA, which they don't always get. So there could be some value there. 100-year anniversary of the first World Cup, as you said, which was in Uruguay. The, the Morocco-Spain-Portugal bid makes a lot more sense than the Ukraine one. You know, it would have been cool to see Ukraine involved in that, but it, it doesn't seem like it's the right time for them. So geographically, those three do make sense. The uh, Saudi Arabia-Greece-Egypt one makes significantly less sense. Taylor, I think it was you, when we've talked about this in the past, I think you posited that you know, maybe FIFA would give 2030 to the South America combined bid and then come in in 2034 mm -hmm. with Saudi Arabia because there are close ties there, it seems, and yep. Saudi Arabia have the money that FIFA wants and can do the things that FIFA want them to do. And so maybe that's what we're looking at for the next two World Cups. I mean, the European bid, that, that basically Euro-Africa-Arab bid with, with Morocco, Spain, and Portugal does sound like a lot of fun to me, but it seems like maybe they'll end up on the outside looking in. It's still strange to me that Messi will be stumping for Saudi Arabia instead of his home country to host the World Cup. That is still an odd one for me. But yeah, oh, wow. I, I would I would not have – I would have an issue. I don't want it to be in Saudi Arabia. I take that back. I hope it's 2030 uh, goes to South America, and then I want it to be Spain, Portugal, Morocco. I think that's a really cool like transcontinental uh, competition that could be great. I think we will get Saudi Arabia because Gianni Infantino, what lives there now, is is best buddies. They're all hanging out. Cristiano Ronaldo's already there. What more do you need, guys? What more do you need? Mm. If um, if England still exists in 2038, I'd like for the the bid to go there as well. It's a big old if. It's yeah, a big old if. At the moment, it seems like an if. Yeah. We shall see. Okay, so all right. So for for the time being, it's every four years, and we 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 have the idea an idea of the bids for twenty thirty. Something yeah. else, Taylor, that was decided in Rwanda at the FIFA Council meeting. Besides um, Joe being toppled by Gianni Infantino in the presidential bid was Shocking. the Club World Cup. Yes, indeed. Now, the Club World Cup has been rumoured for a while that it would be expanded from its current, is it seven teams at the moment? A host plus mm -hmm. six, I believe, from one from each confederation, to 32 teams and it becoming a summer tournament as well. It is confirmed, I believe, for 2025 that this will be a thing. <sighs> correct. That's the correct feeling. Uh, yeah, so it sounds like it will be, what, 32 teams... I believe the reporting I saw was that it would be every four years. So I guess you're going to have a buildup of teams that qualify, and then you'll have a team that won the CONCACAF Champions League three years ago, I Hilarious. guess, now in the Club World Cup. Hilarious. <laughs> I, tell you, I legit had not even thought about that. Like, Seattle won the, the Club World Cup, so they're already in this new format. Like, let's say Brian Schmetzer retires, Rui mm -hmm. Diaz, Ladero, Jao Paulo all, all retire as well or move on. Like... It, Seattle's maybe not the best example no, because they, they've shown ability to yeah. compete consistently, but like there's no guarantee that the teams you're going to have in here are still going to be any good three years after the fact that they won that trophy. Like I know this doesn't fit That's perfectly, unreal. but like like I think of that Leicester team that won the title and what they would look like three years later, and just how like it's it's you're rewarding a fundamentally different team for the thing that a different team did but they wear the same kits even though they don't actually wear the same kits because you would have changed them by then but they have the same name at least so there's that it just it's i i again i understand theoretically why they're doing this but ultimately to me it just comes down to money and control because 
there's no real perfect system. There's no real perfect solution for how to expand the Club World Cup because it's just not a thing that people care that much about. Clubs themselves don't really care that much about it. And and so, to me, you're fixing a problem that doesn't exist by making more problems and making it even more confusing. And when you're solving a problem that doesn't exist, except that you think it does, to me, it gets to the idea that you just want control. You want to be able to tell clubs and leagues, here's what we're doing, get on board. And that is a key part of this. By all accounts, they did not consult with any of the domestic leagues. They didn't get anyone's approval to launch this plan. La Liga, fur- furious that this has happened, furious that they weren't consulted, that they weren't included in any of this decision making. And it just feels like another power grab, another, we're the ones who actually have control, not you guys. Do as we say and follow these rules, and it's going to be a great tournament. It just feels like a lot of grandstanding and uh, trying to kind of wrest control from other other entities that don't want that control taken from them. And and I don't know why you need to have this sort of power grab when there's plenty of soccer for everyone. Uh, but I guess if you're Infantino, you want 32 teams playing in Saudi Arabia uh, once every four years. Why not? Taylor, you're talking about fixing problems that don't exist. Did you guys read any of the statements from FIFA about this? Because there are some wild ones. The best one, I'll I'll read the best one. It's shorter than the Asian World Cup qualification thing, I promise. Uh, FIFA said this new uh, Club World Cup event was created to, quote, was, was created, quote, given the need expressed by the confederations for the champions of their premier club competitions to play each other annually, because there is a second competition as well, to stimulate competitiveness. Who... Who's who? Who? Tell, show me the people. Like, who are the Nobody. people in their confederations? Like, who is the person at AFC who's saying, you know, we we actually should we should be getting more games against Oceania. We should be getting more games against the Seattle Sounders. Who's saying this stuff? You're, everybody knows Europe is the best. Everybody knows South America is the second best, and everybody knows there's a giant gap after that. I don't understand who this is for. So I'll, I mentioned there's a second club competition. I'll just toss it out there now. This is essentially like the Confederations Cup for clubs. That's how Brian Strauss worded it for Sports Illustrated. So it is going to be annual, which means it's not really like that. But it's going to replace the abbreviated version of the current Club World Cup that we have. Thank goodness. Um, and, and so it's going to be the champions of South America, CONCACAF, Asia, Africa, Oceania. All of those will contest in a playoff with the surviving team getting the privilege of playing the Champions League winners from UEFA. So uh, I... I don't. I genuinely don't know who was asking for that, especially within the context of of the larger expanded one. I will say, if I can remove myself from the, the current world that we live in and can, can pretend like there aren't all these other competitions, this sounds fun to me. Like the mm-hmm. expanded Club World Cup, I, I actually do think sounds really fun. I think having some groups doing a little knockout thing, like doing a, a club version of the World Cup and really doing it with 32 teams with similar breakdowns of slots for the the old 32 international world cup at the national team level that we had before. I I think it sounds like a good time. Like there's going to be parts of this that are entertaining. The problem is shoehorning that into the calendar. Like you can't do it. The only way to do it is by taking down on the off season. There is no other space. So that's exactly what FIFA are doing, right? The tournament's going to run in June and July. It seems like that's a problem for MLS teams to start in, in this region because that's in the middle of their season. But really, for the rest of the world, it's a problem because it's in their offseason. Like, wh- when are players taking a break? When is Rafael Varane's washing machine supposed to stop its long linen cycle? You can't cycle? even hire a plumber to come look at it. There's no time, like a, Taylor. There's no time. Yeah, no. So as much as I love in the FIFA Ultimate Team kind of fake reality way to think about this, as, as much as that part of me does say, like, nah, I kind of want to see Seattle take on, like... Dortmund or something like yeah. that'd be fun like they're gonna be entertaining games that that I despite myself will probably get excited about and so listeners if you're excited about this like there, there's totally nothing wrong with that like be excited about what you want to be excited about the frustration that I think comes from us and, and maybe from you as well as you're listening to this is like there's just there's just too much yeah. like what are you asking players to do what are the ultimate goals behind these things and and I'm not sure that anybody really outside of FIFA and, and maybe some of these confederations are gonna love the answer to that If you divorce FIFA from the present reality and just look at expanded World Cup, yeah, I can see why that's a good idea. I can see why you want more teams involved and why it's good for more confederations and more individual member states to have more money to fund the game. I get that. We want more clubs. We talked about this with uh, the NWSL question. We want more NWSL teams playing more uh, Champions League teams in Europe, but we don't really have that opportunity. There's talks of of, uh, a women's club World Cup, which once again was very like oh yeah yeah we're gonna do the women's thing too don't worry about it like it's it's again it's not really part of the plans it's sort of shoehorned in after the fact which is where i then go back to that's just sort of feels like fifa par for the course um 
the reason why I, I, I said Gabriel Marcotti's piece was interesting, if not like good, was because I, I take issue with one of the key things he talks about when it comes to the money and the interest that FIFA has. He's, here's, a, here's a quote. He says, sure, critics will point to the numerous FIFA scandals of the past and talk about how this amounts to patronage and pork barrel politics. And it gives Infantino or whoever is in the big chair at the time outsized power to swap FIFA funds for votes from poorer countries. And yes, we all know about the bribery and corruption that took place in the set bladder era. We had a reminder of it just this week when a former Fox executive was convicted by a New York court of paying tens of millions of dollars in bribes to secure broadcasting rights to the World Cup. But it's a bit like welfare payments or financial aid for college tuition. If there are people who defraud welfare or a government financial aid program, do you just shut it down for everyone? Or do you make it harder to defraud the government by having a more transparent system and greater vigilance? I agree with all of that. How does any of that, any of this do that? Like the, the problem here is that like, yeah, if you have an individual defrauding the government, you want to make it harder for that individual to do that. But when, in my opinion, it's been the government or FIFA defrauding itself and then you're giving it more power and more influence, you're not really accomplishing any of those goals. And that's what it comes back to for me. It's, it's, it's the same. Mostly the same people at FIFA who really weren't held that accountable for their actions. And there was no, in my mind, true auditing of the way FIFA operates and, and their processes. We still don't really have a transparent understanding of how things work, how decisions get made, what the process is. And now there's even more control that they're, they're pushing for. It doesn't do to me what Marcotti is, is saying it does. To me, it's just another reminder of all of that corruption. And then, but it's going to be different and it's going to be better and there will be transparency. But thus far, we haven't seen that. And so to me, you're just giving the people who are potentially problematic more control and more power and then hoping it works out. And I have a pretty big issue with that. End of rant. Thank you. What I think is interesting, <laughs> Taylor and Joe, is how seriously this will be taken by the clubs who participate. I'm sure prize money will have a factor in that. But let's say it's 2025. You're Newcastle United. You've just won the Super League. Uh, you know, Kylian Mbappe has played 70 games for you that season across four competitions. Does he really want to go to, let's say, China no. to play uh, a 32-team contest when he should be on a boat in the Mediterranean somewhere? No. Yeah, and to Joe's point, that's why I think they're changing that that other competition so that UEFA only has to come in and play, what, one game? So it's basically, yep. look, dude, it's a Saturday. You fly in, you play the game. It doesn't matter. You fly back home. <laughs> you make a million dollars along the way. It's fine. Yeah, it's I, I, I'd be very interested, and we won't know until the time, what the take-up from uh, the respective clubs is. And maybe it's different in South America than it is to Europe, for example, and to and other, other federations as well. And... I'm assuming there's going to be quite a lot of pushback from the leagues themselves. We've seen from La Liga, for example, none too happy about this arrangement. And I think there's going to be the Premier League are probably going to push back on it too. Yeah. Joe, Joe, it feels like there's going to maybe we might even see some changes in the coming years to accommodate the current structure. Yes and no, right? What I, what I thought about is, as you were talking there, Ryan, talking about these different leagues that, that have already objected or that could very much object in the future. I think it's easy for us, and we probably have looked at this, and I have, from a like Eurocentric point of view, um, because that's the majority of the soccer that we talk about. I do want to say, just as a point in favor of this, and it's, it's similar to what we talked about with the World Cup earlier, Marcotti points that out in the ESPN piece that you referenced, Taylor. Like, you know, it, It's cool for these countries and helpful for them, for some of the smaller ones that don't have the same soccer pedigree or the same infrastructure, to have a chance to do this stuff. Like, It is not all bad, even if the motivation from FIFA likely isn't to say, like, hey... You know, let's let's get country XYZ involved in this, and like that's going to be really good for them. That's almost certainly not where they're coming from. At the same time, uh, being so deep, kind of in the MLS waters, the Seattle Sounders are excited about this. Like like Brian Schmetz was talking about how you know we're we're thrilled to be the team, the first MLS team to qualify for the Club World Cup, and the second MLS team to qualify for the Club World Cup because they're already in this next one. Like that's it's cool. It's still new and cool and shiny and fun, and a good test for some of these teams that aren't already playing at the highest levels that, that won't be playing Newcastle United in the Super League in 2030 you know, or whatever it's going to be. Like, I, I do want to say, even though I still don't think this is a good idea and I still don't think this is necessary, it is a lot worse for a lot of the European teams and there could be a lot of actual genuine excitement coming from some teams that don't get this level of exposure or don't get these opportunities to play some of these clubs. So I, I'm not sure that the benefits outweigh the costs even for them, but just something at least to, to noodle on. Oh, boy. All right, we should probably uh, wrap this one up. But, Taylor, let's conclude on a positive note. We still love soccer and we'll get more of it. Yay? 
<laughs> we'll get more of it regardless. It's like if you're going through like a cafeteria line and you get there and they just keep dumping food on your plate and you're like, no, I, I just wanted like the one thing, but I wanted that maybe a little bit better quality. And they're like, yeah, shut up and eat your food. Like that, that is a little bit what this feels like to me. It's just eat your amount of, eat your amount of garbage and like it. And I don't know. Sadly, I probably will end up enjoying most of it. It is just a begrudging feeling of there is very little consideration for all of the negatives and for accounting for those negatives and trying to come up with a system that works better, even if it's time consuming, even if, if it's laborious, even if it's controversial. It, it just feels like in the end, we're being force fed things that we don't necessarily want or need. And they might taste good, but I don't know how good they are in the long term for us for athlete stability, for the growth of the game, for all of those things. I hope they work out well, and I hope it's fun. I'm just uh, cautious in, in my feelings right now. Indeed. A wise, and by cautious, I mean angry, I guess. <laughs> also a wise position to take, I would say. But uh, yeah, the positives, uh, soccer, World Cup's coming to the US. Uh, Yay! Yeah, more soccer. <laughs> that, was, uh, that was genuine. I'm excited about that. Yeah. Like, well, I good, good. And soccer hasn't eaten itself just yet and hopefully hasn't eaten itself by 2026. We shall see, Joe. But uh, for the meantime, Joe Lowry, thank you very much for participating in this wonderful, positive, uniform discussion. Right back at you, Ryan. <laughs> Taylor Rockwell, um, I'm going to be thinking uh, about Raphael Vran's washing machine as I sleep tonight, but I hope you uh, have... Um, a great one. Thank you. That makes that makes one of us because I'm just going to be focused on all the permutations of qualifying and sort of breaking it down. Joe, expect a bunch of messages from me as I try to work through this process. Deal. Oh, boy. Rather you than me, Tay-Tay. All right. Thank you, listener, for joining us on this one. Hope you enjoyed it. Remember, patreon.com slash Total Soccer Show if you want bonus content, bonus episodes, videos, and much, much more. We'll be back on the feed very shortly. Thank you very much. Bye! As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.